0: My name is Roam Knight. I'm a uh, local. Um, I'm in a company called Dr. Falafel, being Dr. Uh, Plant Powered People. Sorry, we just changed the name slightly. Um, and this is for a podcast called "Inviting Compassion," and that's all about how to create this uh, this essence of compassion in our lives um, using mindfulness, meditation, yoga. Um, or, whatever tools create that. Um, and um, it's actually a great idea to speak to Johann Kota, um being the, the most experienced and well known uh, yoga teachers in,
1: in Musenberg. Yes, thanks, Remy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm speaking here from uh, my studio space in Musenberg, Cape Town. And my experience of yoga has been over oh, about 30 years of my own practice. And to jump right in with the topic of compassion um, which is a subjective compassion practice in so many ways, subjective because it's about ourselves. How do we understand it? How does Buddhism understand it? How does anyone understand it? What's the intellectual meaning of it? Some of these answers I don't even know. But I can say that um, just off the cuff that one of the Aspects that got me to start yoga and the first time I experienced yoga, um, I was on my own and I taught myself from a book. I had an experience of caring, caring for myself. And I felt, wow, this is something I can do to take care of myself in a place where I would say no one else will. (laughs) Not only because you're on your own when you take self-care, but it's only you that can, can relate into that self. So I, I started calling it self-compassion recently because it's being compassionate to ourselves. So yeah, if you want to respond on that, that would be interesting. Yeah? sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think that's where it starts, essentially. Compassion is, is, is such a... It's a of a vast topic, but um, it all starts with the self. Um, and um, when I actually teach teach compassion, if you can, if, if you can call it that, um, to do medical students at uh, at uh, UCT, and we do it in the um, in the hospital actually at Somerset Hospital. And the first thing that we that that, that we across is the importance of self care. You know, um, you cannot have any basis of even trying to be compassionate in an authentic way without just uh, your self practice. You know, and um, I think that's beautiful that 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 was where your yoga journey started. Um, for me, my my meditation. I started med- meditating before I um, learned about yoga, and um, I'm also your teacher, by the way. I don't know if you if you knew that. Um, but my first um, introduction to meditation was through Buddhism. I read a book on Buddha, and this idea of compassion just like stood out to me, and um, so I got the tattoo, which is the Om Mani Padme Hum. Right. At the time, my understanding of it was that it it my my understanding was that it's a mantra that you say in order to help you instill compassion in yourself. Um, I didn't know what it was. The standard. I thought the picture was really cool cool at first. I was like, okay, let's do the idea of compassion, and that's where it started for me. So compassion was like the first thing that got me on the path to um, self self exploration. You can say, so, um, yeah,
1: yeah. So. The, that, uh, that to what you yeah, that's, that a, big that's, big. that's an interesting response so the uh, a, another um, uh, uh, response I would give right back is that so there's that aspect of of learning a technique for instance with ourselves that we can practice um, it could be drinking a glass of water I'm caring for my body it could be doing a yoga practice so it doesn't have to be complicated and in fact it it actually helps if it's just simple. And the other thing which you specifically mentioned there, so I was inspired by yoga, but you could be, one could be inspired by reading a book about a about Buddha or a spiritual teacher. And then there's the, that aspect of inspiring or being inspired. So if you walk down the road, you meet another person and you look happy, then Person, an onlooker will look at that and go, I wonder why this person is happy, or that person is happy, or he is happy but I am not. Right. So when we see these, we become aware of them, and then maybe that person observes you um, picking up a piece of paper. That kind of lead by example stuff where we say, Let's pick up the trash on the beach, or help a little old lady across the road, that kind of thing. And then that kind of transmits yes. compassion and it's actually a, a technique so we were taught that example as small children that if you see a little old lady then you can help her maybe carry a shopping bag because she's not managing. So we were taught that um, at, right. at school, or our parents taught us, or our grandparents taught us or something said like be yeah. hey, you know, be compassionate to others because you, as a child you ask why? Why must I do that? I want to play, I don't want to help training You know, be nice, you know? So so these are the things we <laughs> have to learn. It's, it, it doesn't fall necessarily out of the sky. Um, although human beings, may, we may think that we have a tendency to kindness, for instance, which I think in many ways we do. But at the same time, there's a learned yeah. aspect a uh, learned behavior aspect to something like compassion. And I really like to call it compassion. You know, like, why don't we just say compassion means yeah. I'm actively having compassion.
0: Cool. Um, I'd, I'd also just possibly like to just speak about how we decided to do this. Cause it's, I don't think uh, people have a really a background. Um, so myself and Johan, haven't really um, <clears throat> had a really uh, brief encounter, actually. Um, my doggy. Um, we had a brief encounter at the beach twice at the beach actually um, at sunrise, and um, both times we didn't really speak. But um, um, yeah, I, I just the second time that I that I that I saw Johan, I. I um, I just observed his energy once again. Um, I was there with my family, with my daughter, and my and my partner, and um, I saw Johan doing some yoga on the beach, running around, took a swim, um, and he was kind of, he just kind of came really close to where me and my family were sitting and put his, asked if he could put his, um, his t-shirt down. and And this was during like the first, like the first day of lockdown, I think, or, this, or just before lockdown, That's right? Before just before lockdown So people were staying away from each other. Um but uh, you Johan decided to come and put his t shirt there and um I guess you can tell us about why you why you decided to do that. But um yeah it was just a cool thing that I was like, okay this person is is still wanting to connect but um I felt and I felt your energy even though you didn't really come close or, or do anything like that. I felt like it's a gesture, it felt like a gesture of goodwill in some way. And then, you know, you went to have your swim and then you picked up your t shirt and you and you left. And then it led to I saw you I randomly saw you pop up on Facebook. I clicked invite as friend and then we decided to um, to do this podcast or this this um, this webinar, Zoom call, whatever you wanna call it. So I, I'm interested to know from your side, Johanna, what 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 did the whole kind of synchronistic thing mean to you?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I'm fairly um, esoterically minded. That's kind of how my head works. Um, So you know, I make connections. um, On what you're talking about, it's it's also a feeling basis, and um, to refer to to the Situation you were talking about—it's um, the impression that it leaves that it really matters. That impression. So um, I rem- I recall uh, wanting to go for a swim and then seeing you guys and, and it looked like an attractive picture, in other words. Um, so that was one thing. That was one part of the connection. And then what um, what rem- so attractive means that it, it, it's attracting one so you know if we if we are open at, as a person and you're standing in the road and somebody yeah. asked and they go I don't know where I am I think I'm gonna ask that person not because you're the only person but because we're gonna we choose who we're gonna ask you know so we either ask somebody that we that we think we can trust like a policeman or uh, like a guy that has a t-shirt that says directions or something um, but essentially it's important that uh, we create, perhaps idealistically, I admit, uh, a, a beacon, an image for ourselves that we are um, a place of compassion. So, um, so you're not going to ask somebody about compassion that clearly has no compassion. So we turn to the Buddha because he has the image of compassion. We turn, turn to Jesus because his message, his teaching was compassion. Um, So, we turn to God because we say um, that God is love, for instance. So, if we want to um, share compassion, then we need to at least be able to turn inwards and and look at ourselves and and ask ourselves, are we the beacon of, of compassion? Am I lovable? Am I loving? And those two are so close, like, you know, do I care for myself and not others, or do I care for others and not for myself? So there's the self-compassion and the other compassion. And then to come back to the impression that we had on the beach, so the first time I met you on the beach, um, and the second time I didn't realize it was the same person until afterwards, um, which is also an interesting point because it has nothing to do with whether you look at the Buddha and you go, ah, that's the Buddha. Because remember that a person that's never seen the image of the Buddha wouldn't know that that statue in my studio is Buddha, or they wouldn't know this guy hanging on the cross is Jesus and he was crushed, crucified. So there's that cultural aspect as well, which is why it's so important to understand that something like compassion is meant to be unconditional, isn't a condition, it's more an energy, yeah. and if I see somebody having fun on the beach and looking like an idyllic, perfect picture, and from your side the other way around, God, we're, like, we're attracted to that energy, yeah. and then, of course, that has to have coherence with how we actually are, which isn't always the case, you know, so, yeah. I can get really miserable about something, and then I remind myself, ha, oh, that's, that's an incoherent situation. You know? um, you've got to reach that coherence. What's my technique for that? Ah, oh, I'm going to go for a swim, drink a glass of water, eat a healthy meal. Otherwise, we don't yeah. have coherence. So there's the connection, theology, to what are we eating, what's our practice. And if we don't pay it forward and yeah. share it, it doesn't go anywhere. You're simply just stuck with it on your own and you get stuck. So there's a whole lot just in, in your point of meeting. Yeah, yeah, just in that one meeting. Um,
0: yeah, I, I for me coherence is a um, a very uh, topic that I'm really passionate about as well, and uh, that came about through my you know researching compassion, researching uh, yoga, obviously my practice, my own personal practice. Um, having a family, having friends, all of these things. And you learn that compassion is really something that is quite powerful. It's, it's, it's actually, um, can really, uh, it elevates you in a sense. Like if, if you really strive towards for it, if you, if you reach for compassion, it lifts you up. Um, and it, because at the same time it has a ripple effect because it, it, it concerns others. Because you can't just be compassionate to yourself and not others, right? Um, <laughs> and because of that uplifting aspect, I was like, wow, this is a really, really powerful thing that that, you know, people need to learn about this or people, I guess people don't need to learn about it, people need to experience it. Yeah. And um, that, and I just very randomly, uh, when my, and my, my daughter has been the biggest blessing in my life. Um, I got the opportunity to teach to do this teaching of compassion um uh, through her birth so when she was born uh, my midwife our midwife was um, the actual uh, director of this it's called the compassionate birth uh, project and this is the project that teaches these um, these medical students about self-care about um, how to be compassionate to patients Etc. cetera, um, especially when they're in the obs and gynae um, rounds at the hospital. So obstetrics and gynecology. Um, and um, that led me through trying to just be a better um, facilitator. It led me to this idea of coherence. Um, and I did the research into the heart-brain heart, heart coherence, what that means. Because if compassion is about caring for others, then it has to do with their heart, right? Um, So then that led me to, okay, how do I connect to my heart? Because I was very up here. I was always very much logical, analytical, mathematical type of guy. Um, And I was like, okay, now i got to figure out this area, which is completely not logical. Um, It took a while to get there. Um, but the the because of the heart brain coherence um, technique that i that I practice um, has made a massive difference and it's something that i that I uh, bring forth to this to the students when I when I um, facilitate these 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 uh, group sessions. Um, and it's just a simple breathing through uh, while being aware of what's happening, what your heart feels like essentially. Yeah. Um, so, that's where coherence for me starts. It's it starts by harmonizing your your body two energy centers, the big energy centers, the heart and the brain, um, or two of the the big energy centers. And um, yeah, I'd be curious what your what your experience has been about that. And do you know about this the heart brain technique? The the it's come from the heart math institute, hmm. which is quite it's big. Becoming quite more well known now, um, they're doing amazing, amazing research. They're creating something called. Uh, they're running a project called Global Coherence as well, where they actually measure the, the level of coherence on the planet on the, in the electromagnetic waves, stuff like that. Um, so, I'd be interested to know what your what your take is on that and um, your experience with with this um, this concept.
1: Sure, that's a huge question. Uh, the, <laughs> the the most um, the most logical place for me to start to answer you would be or to comment, which is really what it is that I'm doing, is you said in the uh, early on somewhere that um, that you became interested in connecting your. I would say a mathematical mind or logical mind, for instance, to how you feel in the heart. Mm. So, uh, my understanding of the heart math uh, pr- project is a similar one that I feel about something like yoga. Um, so, on paper or culturally, it may look like two vastly different uh, disciplines, which, which there yeah. are. But the one is included in the other, and it's what I often call common ground. And interestingly enough, uh, compassion has to be found in, in common ground. Um, when, when you're standing in front of a heart-math person, or you're standing in front of a yoga teacher, or the yoga teacher stands in front of a person who's never heard of either, then the common-sense, logical area where we can meet would be in feeling and logic. So we're not throwing logic out at all which is why I'm commenting this. So you are using your analytical mind and your intellect so that you can make sense of how you're feeling. At the same time, how you're feeling is informing your point of view or your worldview. So you started experiencing the heart or having a sense of I'm also here, I'm also a being here, I'm not just a being there. And when the two come together, so it forms, so this is one body, your body and your body. And in yoga, it's beautifully called the body mind, or the body mind, saying that if you chop off the head, then basically the one part dies and the other part kind of rolls off the hill. And they're separated and, and you're not alive. So hence we can be extremely in our heads, but not actually be alive in the body. At simultaneously, we can be extremely in the heart and be quite tormented, or we could be high, absolutely like insane, crazy in love. But it doesn't necessarily behave, uh, help us behave logically. So we, we really need to have that coherence where, where our state is a combination of the best of both worlds, so that it forms one world. That's the coherence. And it is something that, um, according to the heart math system, that can be measured um, because we give off an energy field. So one of the interesting um, aspects of the HeartMath um, system of measurement is that it's saying that the heart gives off a very big vibrational field whereas the, um, the rest of you actually gives off a smaller <laughs> vibrational field. In other words if we go like that and we say, Here I am, then that's a big energy. But if you're sitting like this and you're going like I wonder what's going on here and you're frowning, then you're giving off like quite a strong, I would say, not negative, but like not this vibration or feeling. Yeah. So hence when we go out on the beach or in yoga class or we run down the uh, the road or whatever it is, and we open ourselves like that We give expression to how we actually are or how we could be and again it it raises the point are we actually compassionate and we didn't know it or are we just like lousy people and we're trying to learn how to be compassionate We don't have to answer that but it's a good question to ask Uh, uh, What what do you feel? Um, I I have an answer from yoga um, but you can tell me what you think. Are you, are we, decent, or are we just not aware that we can be decent as human beings? Wow, wow. that's that's an interesting question.
0: Um, are we decent? I think intention is a, is a very powerful thing because within intention. Is both intellect and and feeling often, um, because yeah, we always wanted to achieve something that that at the end of the day it gives us a good feeling because there's nothing that is purely mental that is a desire or, or as an intention um, in my just in my um, my understanding and my opinion. So. And it's interesting because when you, if you are, let's say you've been lost or you've been traumatized um, and that has now turned you into a lousy person or a a person who (laughs) who does not see the world Mm -hmm. through compassionate eyes Mm -hmm. and and, and how we perceive the world obviously completely affects the way that we react to the world. and if you if you're in that space and you don't have an intention to to to, to help others or to be to be compassionate or to, to love yourself, even um, just because maybe your mind has been forced into a, a, a little box that that you don't know how to get out of, and you and you maybe a shut off um, feeling. Uh, this comes back to what you said about being open being open in itself is, is, is so powerful because it allows nature to take its course but when you're closed you're shutting ourselves down and it's almost impossible to, to then be compassionate so uh i think when your intention is to open up to experience life to give give not just receive um then, then we can say that we are on the path of, of, of compassion. And I don't think it matters whether whether you've attained any level or if you've just begun or you've just decided to make the change. Um, I think that makes, a, that makes a difference. I don't know if, if, if you can ever judge people, though. You know, because I think in, innately that's, that's... And I think that's where, that's where this um, comes from. Is that we have an innate compassionate uh, nature, Um, and and this is what Buddha taught, what Jesus teaches, you know, and and all the spiritual masters. Um, But and when we close ourselves off to that, unfortunately, and I guess you can say that we're not being compassionate. I think that's only that difference between the two: being open or closed. Mm. Right. And and yeah. your intention. I, I don't know what, a, what what a close person's intention is. It's I guess to protect myself, you know. And I'm shielding myself off from. Oh, most you likely. Most you know, and um, and then when your intention is to open and to to grow and or to give, you know, then then now we're stepping into the path of compassion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, you, 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 you will notice my my mood is, is now shifting <laughs> um, so the feeling is different um, and um, you know so one of the um, cornerstones of, of the compassion practice is to is to have empathy um, so am I emphatically feeling you uh, the other person. Um, am I? Can I stand in your shoes? Maybe not, but I could try. <laughs> um, uh, can I be so open that I can just be quiet and listen and wonder and sense how it feels for you? And um, we, we've been having a sort of a fun conversation so far even though it's quite serious. I mean, it's a serious topic, but um, we've had fun at it. Uh, one of the um, um, emotional responses that comes up when I do yoga classes and meditation sessions, training sessions, yoga training, the, all these, um, because when we touching on these subjects of compassion and empathy and how we're we feeling, and we break through the the defense mechanism its very emotional mm-hmm. so I sometimes have to allow myself to weep or sometimes I have to stop myself from doing it because it's not appropriate necessarily but either way big emotions come up and we deal with emotions in different ways but one of the common ways that we deal with emotion is to suppress it Understandably, or um, on the why I said it's quite an emotional topic is to have a traumatic experience of how you are or, or um, how life is for you is that's not a laughing matter. Um, that's beyond serious. That's just sort of I don't know. I don't want to say it's tragic. I don't want to label it, but like when things go really wrong, <laughs> then. Um, that can be very trauma. It can hurt the body and the mind, basically, and then that stops us from being open. And then, but intellectually and logically understanding that um, helps one a lot. It helps me a lot to not judge another person. So I've had to learn this as a human being to be a more decent human being. So when I was younger, I would look at people for instance, and I'd go that person looks overweight and that person's smoking too much. So they must be terrible people because you know they're not healthy. Why can't they see? You know, why are they doing this stuff? And I had to learn that they're doing it for whatever good reason. It's not a bad reason. You know, we hide and we subject ourselves to misery. And it's up to me to be aware enough of of how that works so that I can be neutral enough about it and have empathy for it instead of judgment. And I'm like, whoa, Johan, that is a bit of a huge lesson there, Um, like how do I even work with stuff like that? And you go, it's quite simple because just be open to that person had certain experiences which you didn't have and that person did not in a certain way and you didn't. Because I started realizing that the therapy process, and I'm calling it therapy, that um, that I've been put through because of the choices I've made has not been a walk in the park to say the least, because you keep on finding parts in yourself where you realize you could be, I used the word decent earlier, but where you could be more... Um, word to say there. So in yoga, that, that's what I started saying. And So in yoga, we have um, where they talk about the pure being or that part that that's innately um, sattvic. What's nice about yoga and the sattvic um, principle is that sattvic isn't good or bad. It says it's of light. It's lightness. Light. So I really like the sattvic. So interestingly enough, we don't say, We can say this is junk food and this is nutritional food But we don't say this is crap and that's great or something We rather say this is sattvic nutritional food and this is junk food and it's the opposite of sattvic And it will create any of the states that isn't sattvic And then you take away some of the I'm good, I'm bad, they're good, they're bad stuff So there's a certain logic to this that you're not just naively going Oh, I just want to love everyone and it's so beautiful <laughs> because it's not like that for everyone all the time. You know, I mean, yeah. heaven forbid it's not like that for me. You know, I don't like just wake up in the day and I'm like, yeah, and then it's like that the whole day. That would be kind of yeah. insensitive, I think. Look, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, does that make yeah. sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the world that we're living in, um, there's a lot, a lot of suffering. A lot of suffering, and that's not something to to take lightly, or to even to smile about, you know, or to yeah you know, to take lightly at all. It's a, it's a real thing, and that's what I guess the Buddha was 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 all about. to like, "Whoa, this suffering thing needs to stop," you know, and it was that is like the biggest goal that he could ever take on. Um, and to me, it's like, wow, it's so daunting to even try to try to end. I think the compassion part of, 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 of things, um, you mentioned self-care for me, like the, the first two things that I, that I try to bring across is two aspects. It's, it's self-care, number one. So just taking care of yourself and at the same time, Start to learn how to listen, and listen with care, so that means um, lightness to your listening it's, it's there's no, it should just be, it's just a neutral, neutral listening, um, an allowing listening, just allowing the person to speak, or allowing a, a, a situation to speak that you can take it in without judging anything, not saying it's good, not saying it's bad. Um, And um, when it comes to healing, that's often the first thing that that you need to do is just listen. Um, And it's often the most compassionate thing you can do, is listen. And that means listening uh, without judgment, as you said, you know. Yeah, uh, it's deep deep stuff, you know, and um, in the current climate that we're in, it really touches, it touches touches a sensitive place, for me personally, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you want to speak about this current situation. Or maybe, um, maybe we can speak about what we've been hearing or observing and just have you been able to be in a space of listening, because being a space of listening, pure listening takes, takes, um, like some kind of a strength, some kind of a, uh, a courage, um, and a focus, you know, and a very strong intention. So. How has it been for you? Hmm.
1: Yeah, the, the primary awareness that you're talking about, uh, has been coming up in, in this conversation and, uh, we can feel, um, or somebody that's listening in or, or watching will be able to feel that there's a shifting mood the whole time and it's literally a, a state of body or mind and um, or body mind uh, because it happens in in how we are so we're, we're, when I, th- I think in terms of techniques and the intellectual aspects of, of our practice the logic of what is happening, are my ears open, Um, am I dropping my judgment or opinions, Um, am I biting my lip so that I go like, don't say something, you know, like keep quiet and hear the person out," or um, don't offer advice or um, are you even qualified to say something here, you know Um, So some of that comes up (laughs) Me automatically, and is uh, and um, am I coming from a human place? And um, probably the most important um, aspect that comes up um, as, a, as a phrase, as a catchphrase, um, in I, I call it deliberately therapy or this kind of conversation about therapy is am I holding a certain space of compassion? And if not, how can I increase this space of compassion? And if we are talking about coherence of our heart and mind, or this body-mind, am I I in coherence with this other human being in front of me, who is, say, predominantly intellectual or very swept up in an emotion? Or maybe neither. This person is not really capable of understanding my very, like, weird idea about yoga. And this person not in touch with his or her feelings, so where am I at then? You know, am I, am I vibrating kindly enough that the person feels, yeah, I'm still being heard, yeah. You know, um, so it is that um, expression as well, um, of are we on the same page or not? And so the, the, the practice of coming into the, um, the common ground of, of mutual understanding um, would be where compassion is, is the place compassion is born of. And there's a certain amount of practice that that, uh, that is important. Uh, there's a certain amount of training. I say certain, I mean it happens over a period of time. So we don't learn compassion by reading books about the Buddha. But we can be inspired by it. We can also pick up techniques from it. Um, We also don't learn by not making mistakes and one of the um, most challenging things that that I'm learning the whole time is that um, it's not because I'm fallible and I feel bad about that but I've failed to get it right much of the time. Which is okay as well because that's how I'm learning to get it right. And so when we talk about compassion we also talk about forgiving. We're talking about forgiving others, we're also having to forgive ourselves. So if I did something really stupid yesterday, and rather not call it stupid, don't even call it a mistake, just something I can learn from and if I'm caring enough for myself, instead of feeling bad about it, literally, I can feel that I'm being compassionate to myself, and this is how it is. That's how it works. So, if we can't put these practices or what we read or what we're inspired to in some kind of a like a paying it forward to the person in front of us, then what the heck are we doing it for? You know, um, then how's it working? It's not actually working. So, that coherent state, what I like about the heart math is um, the Uh, I can say the originators or the modality of the heart math system wanted to literally physically measure the statistics and they went like if a person sits there and he's hateful or resentful then it measures that person's energy field at a certain level if the person goes like I'm happy it measures it as happy and if the person goes I'm going to be neutral, I'm going to actually be resentful, and I'm going to pretend to be happy. The measurements will say so. And it's, it's an objective uh, scale that can test you whether you're authentically happy or not. And that authenticity is another one of these catchphrases that's like booming around the whole time, whatever, buzzing around. Um, but are we actually authentic? And what is authentic? Because one person says this is authentic, that's authentic. Yeah, maybe all of that, or none of that. But the important thing is, are we actually in touch with who we are? And so, compassion has to be centered around something that extends to greater than compassion. Simultaneously, if we want to sort of have a conclusion idea about it, we can also say that compassion is what we talked about, or opened up, but it's we're not defining it. But we can say that there are certain techniques and practices, and empathy is one, and using the breath is another, and learning to listen, which is part of empathy. And then, if we can't drop into that space, I can't always do it. Sometimes I drop into a natural and I'm going, whoa, this is so uncomfortable. I want to just leave. Other times I'm going, like, okay, you can't just leave now. So, you know, just how do you do it? And I literally go like that, like, yeah, I can do it. Yes, yes. Am I feeling it? You know, and that takes us back to, you know, I go down to the beach in the morning when I'm allowed, so I can do that whole thing otherwise I can't do it otherwise I can't uh, reach out you know? so it's a, yeah. so in other words it's, it's actually a, it's like you gotta go do it it's like this physical thing. I always say we won't get fit by reading about fitness We're not going to get compassionate unless we subject ourselves to not being compassionate and being compassionate and then realizing right so this is where I'm at yeah and what's the difference what what feels um
0: better or what feels more i guess i think i think the thing that the feeling part of it is is really beautiful because once you and it's now science is starting to be able to measure these things um but before people would just go according to whatever you Personally, feel and that's an internal thing, and you can't always see what someone else is feeling. Um, but the feeling is the, the tuning, you know, and that's the, the the almost the expertise that you learn by practicing. Mm. The, the, the self-care, you know, um, and once you can know how to move from one feeling to the other feeling. Um, it creates these these healing states, you know, that, you, that you're speaking about. You go out there in the morning, you can, maybe you woke up in a bad mood, feeling low energy, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it anyway, let me get out there, and you go, and that already is like, I've made the decision, my intention is there, so that's the power. And um, I'm speaking from my own experience now. Um, and then you, you slowly move yourself up into a feeling good. You know, feeling feeling happy about yourself, about who, who you are, because now you moved there's a physical move that you have to do, you have to shake, shake off this negative energy. You know, and exercise is obviously one of those things. Breathing is one of those things, um, and that's the self care. Yeah, you know? so I think that's yeah, it's really important. Um, I'd like to I'd like to touch on on the food aspect just quickly before we um, before we finish. Or as I said, I I, um, I am a co-founder of um, a company called Dr. Falafel, Plant powered People, and um, it's a really big interest of mine. It's, it's plant-based food, 100% plant-based food, and we um, we created a burger, a vegan burger, um, and um, it just took off. People just love the burger. They're like, okay, let's just let's make it a, make this a thing. And um, it's been a year now, and it's, it's just been growing really organically and really beautifully. Um, it's a big passion of mine. And um, I was just speaking to, to my partner, about my business partner, last night about introducing what we call Suttwik food. Um, especially during this time, because we want immune boosting, and we want things that harm um, the, the feelings, um, that bring calm feelings and don't excite the feeling. So stuff like very oily foods or very um, spicy and, and, and a lot of garlic and all these things create, create a lot of uh, fire, you know, which, which, which can put you out of your balance. That's um, uh, according to Ayurveda. And um, yeah, so I, for me, like that's really important. like. Of the practice of compassion and what you eat, and how should we start to observe that? And how should we think about our food? Because um, food's a big part of yoga, right?
1: Yeah, sure, it's harmony, it's a harmonious balance of your elements in the Ayurveda. Um, and um, I'd say, I've I said it before already. Um, in a different way but the idea that uh, we have a... um, I actually want to use the word um, philosophically speaking um, I don't mean in a perfect versus non-perfect but the the higher being or our best self, (laughs) enlightened being the being of light um, is in a sense what we talk about uh, as sattvic but when we, for instance, angry or depressed, then that would refer to in, in the Ayurveda as the tamasic or the rajasic. So we have a bit of tamas and rajas because the one makes us rest and the other one makes us act. But we need to be restful and then act in a certain, directed, intentional way in order to reach into the sattvic. But in order to reach into the sattvic, we need the sattvic energy into the body. So when I eat a sattvic food item, my body goes like that but when I eat something that stimulates my anger or passion or resentment or something that doesn't have that higher living which is why we talk about higher living foods versus incompassion or uncompassion- uncompassionate food uh, that's either not great for the nature or it's not great for, for the planets or it's uh, damaging to sentient beings or anything like that, then that would be lower living. <laughs> um, and we need to feed ourselves with this higher vibrational food, um, just like we feed ourselves sattvic thoughts, which would be a positive affirmation, a mantra or breath. So breath is sattvic. Um, But if I go to That's unsubvick It's not really breathing It's more like So so these are really important things um, um, To take into consideration And um, you're right In that the building blocks Of our body is um, Or are Thoughts, um, food uh, And uh, breath So what we eat, read Speak of and how we are determines whether we're compassionate or not. So there's yeah. a, some reason here why plant based food is connected to something like yoga or um, the Hare Krishnas don't eat meat generally. Um, could, could you so, give
0: some, um, sorry to interrupt, um, hmm. could you give some examples of what
1: in your experience are the most Sattvic foods? Mm. What what do we avoid? Yeah, so the the yoga system, I just want to say that that not two people are the same. So one of the principles of Ayurveda as well is that you don't say all people must eat lentils or every single person must eat cabbage or something. It's more you need to have a little bit of self-knowledge to know that um, some food doesn't work for your body and if it doesn't work you have to also question that <laughs> so it gets a little bit more complicated which is simply how it is when you are when you're an individual so it's way more complicated to make up your mind about something than to just say yes whatever you say. It's also complicated to argue about stuff the whole time so we have to be like, quite subtle and discerning and understanding what we need to eat, what we mustn't eat but the basic, basic, utmost, most principal um, aspect of, uh, I'd say, Sattvic food would be the fresher the better and the energy is important so if the food that um, a company produces is made in a, um, I don't know, by slaves in a terrible condition but but it uses great ingredients that's not the best way to make food on the other hand if you have this like ridiculously happy person working with McDonald's and you know and they like sort of managing to convince you that you can eat this because it was made with lava then uh, it's a little bit of an extreme example but that burger is going to be way better um, than if it was made resentfully by the same purposes, um, but in a in a slave um, slavery system, for instance. So there's a lot of factors in the energy. So how the food is made. That's why we talk about this is made with love. But you don't just put a sticker on the on the food that goes this was made with love, love. But meantime we know that it was made by slaves somewhere. You know. So that's that's incoherent. Uh, that's yeah. that's that is wrong and it's unsatisfying. So basically fresh food is great, how it's made, how it's prepared is important and generally for yoga, Sattvic means um, um, stuff that isn't overcooked, over fried, doesn't have to be raw, not everyone does well in a raw diet Um, Not everyone does well in a raw diet in the middle of winter You know, that's why we can't be that hard and fast but generally when I included um, uh, talking about where is the food produced and so on, I also wanted to include that thing of compassion. So, sad to say, or sad to even talk about it, but the industry as we know it, whether it's the meat industry or poultry or whatever it is, it's, it's not a compassionate industry in the sense that slavery isn't a compassionate situation, so mass production generally isn't the greatest. But these com- comments are relative, though. I mean, some uh, we can buy some relatively healthy food at a discounted price from a place like a supermarket. But we definitely want to support, as a conscious, compassionate person, we want to support an industry or business that's smaller, scaled for the local environment, and packaged for the local environment. So a local guy doesn't have to put all his stuff in plastic. That's one yep. to support. Because then you're supporting the environment. So that would be very subject if you buy a food that isn't uh, made in plas- plastic. You know, so it's a bit of a left field idea, but but we need to consider yeah. stuff like this.
0: It's very, it's very true. Um, and we, we've kind of taken, personally in, in my business, um, yeah, we've, we've kind of picked up certain things that um, that we'd like to change and I would like to improve and, and it's all around the energy of the people making the food. And it's all around how we um, how we create a space that is conducive to um, a good energy for the food so that the people can benefit from that, you know. Um, and there's been a lot of trials and a lot of uh, research and, and things done, on, not trials, but research and studies done on, on these things like, um, and we, I don't know how much more time we have, but this, I, I reckon we could speak all day about this. Um, <laughs> um, but just quickly, let's touch on one thing which is important, and I think, I think it, 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 it carries through all of this. Um, And that's water. So water um, has been shown scientifically now, even though it's been told by the ancient traditions, the wisdom traditions, that water holds memory. And um, even even in Christianity, I mean, you go to a church and and they say, you know, take the holy water and, and bless us all. Um, and that was such a strange concept for me growing up. Like, what is this holy water? What's so different about this water? You know, and, um, it has to do, and that comes back to coherence. So what they found is in the studies that when, when water has been, um, intentionally or been around someone or a person or spoken to, or, or, um, yeah, there's just emotion around that water has been positive, love, compassion, uh, appreciation, anything, kindness, that water takes on a certain structure and they tested it by freezing the water and and, and looking at the the molecular structure, right? Um, I'm sure you know all of this, Johan, Um, and the water on the positive with the positive intention or positive emotion looked really really beautiful it looked like like crystal like the um, snow uh, snow crystals or uh, snowflakes right hmm. um and when when it was a negative emotion the water looked terrible it was incoherent it was ugly it didn't it didn't have a good shape to it um and because all food has water in it um and our body is 70% water and the earth is 70% water, um, do you think that the coherence of water plays a big role in, in our life that, that we aren't actually paying that much attention to?
1: For sure. The, um, the, what comes to mind for me uh, has been an, a realisation I recently had I've had it before, and yeah, you know, each uh, comment that you that we talk about it comes up is, I'd say profound. I'm, what I'm saying now isn't profound because um, because I thought of it, but when I look back at the thought, which is just how it is, but the fact that that I miss it for me, that's profound. Um, how can I miss something so obvious? And how can I get to understand it and then miss it again. But the the, the a profound aspect of, of that water-based situation is um, I was referring to how Sattvic food also connects into how is my relationship with food or how is the relationship of the food producer to food. So what am I choosing and um, how is it made and um, does it take into consideration some of these aspects or ideally all of what we've been talking about. So water being an important one there as well. But Perhaps this is a lovely way to, to end the, um, uh, <laughs> the wide conversation we've been having uh, with water. Is Yes, we're water-based, I would say almost over and above plant-based because plants also grow by water and then we also drink water and the water goes into the food system. So that's a, it's, a, it's a basis of our food chain. That's a basis, the basis of our being. Um, so it's a biological reality. But bear in mind that uh, when you're talking about what the molecular structure of water, um, what it suggested is that, the studies of this is that when we bless the water it has a sacred geometry to it. But when we subject the water to negativity, then it has a a positive structure, a negative, chaotic structure to it. So if I hold a glass of water in front of me and I go like, this is just chaotic, and I send it my chaos, um, which is easy because we can fall into, you know, we can, I can just go like, "No, I'm angry. um, And with practice, so if you ask me not to be angry, I I won't, I, I won't manage, but if you pride me a little bit, I'll be like, yeah of course, uh, that's anger, yeah, so now I'm going to just be angry at the blood. So we basically act out with these vibrations and we can direct it to our food our water and our environment and so on. But if that's a long story, the short of it is that when we bless our water, it's again not me that I'm um, transforming the water into holy water, it's the energy that comes through, which is, the energy is already healthy or or innately healthy. The glass of water I have in front of me has been subject to uh, my apartment uh, piping and city council treatment and that kind of stuff. But if I bless the water, then the vibration or the sacred blessing that I hold the water in, transforms the water. And this has been photographed and measured in so many different ways. Uh, And you can even feel it. And to be honest, my personal experience of having um, tested water with a healer who could turn normal water into sweet water without tricking me. I'm like, okay, there's something going on here that I can't deny because how is this water in a jug after five minutes of treatment tasting like spring water because the water has been returned to the the, the vibrational source by the healer or rather the energy of the source has come through the healer into the water because water is very um, changeable in that way and that water sits in food and that water sits in our body so if I'm like I can be compassionate yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be compassionate now yes, I'm compassionate everything else goes away resentment, anger and so on so right now if I meditate the water in my body changes to holy water and I'm changing to holy man it's about that simple. Now it's just up to me to can I maintain this? You know, um, can I build on that? Is this a beginning of, of something? Yeah, but it's also <laughs> gonna go like that. Yeah. But but when we start to see these, that's what I mean. Um, it, it gets revealed to us as a, as quite profound. And certainly for me, the most profound. Um, Part of the conversation so far, possibly because I called it that as well. But is having looked at this water being changed and then tasting it now, I taste amazing. Like, how did that happen? Of course, I know how it happened, but somehow, you know, we need to coherently connect the fact that this is happening, can happen, is positive is possible, and likewise, um, we need to understand that. We can be more compassionate. That's you, that's me, that's others as well. And we can inspire compassion. We have to practice it. And it's a bit of an upward spiral in that sense. Which is, I think, what you said right in the beginning. How do we uplift ourselves so that we don't go like that? So while we may fall down in the mud, but we can, as a whole, keep coming up. Which is a whole different matter. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Possible new I like that analogy
0: of the upward spiral because
1: mm. I guess when you. Yeah, because it's off, not just straight up. And within yeah, that and spiral, it with maybe,
0: it's like a seed. You know, you start off with being quite closed yeah, yeah. and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more bigger it gets, the bigger it can get. You know, you can't go from this to that. You know, it, it, yeah, it's a process. Hmm. And. It's 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 really it's really nice to, to, to speak about some, speak about this to to you uh, to you Johann, because I can see that you know you've been in the practice you've been in the process for all these years and um, it's lovely to draw on someone like experience. you experience. Know, we none of us are perfect, but all we can do is be on the path and try our best and have intentions, You know, have a good intention. So, um, I want to thank you so much for being, uh, being willing and being open to have this, this conversation with me today. Uh, I know it's been really from here to there, but I think there's some kind of a divine symmetry that, that, that has some coherence in it. Some coherence. <laughs> and hopefully, the water in our bodies after this conversation is slightly more coherent, <laughs> slightly more geometric. Uh, than it was before, um, and um, hope we have, I think we can hopefully have another conversation like this and take it further and see where it goes.
1: Sure, sure, we can make a part two, it'll be fun. It's fun.
0: <laughs> it is fun.
1: Great. Thanks very much, Romy, and good luck Thanks with your you. uh, Sadvik business and the business mm. of being subject.